May I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. What an extraordinary week it's been for journalists. Not only reporting on this storm wreaking havoc across the Bahamas, but also keeping the public informed of the high winds of British politics. We have also learned of the death of Robert Mugabe and read reports about the Pope's visits to Madagascar, Mozambique and other African countries. It's challenging for journalists to report the news with accuracy and with sensitivity, especially when under pressure to get the news out. And in the main, our journalists do an honourable job. But there are times when things have gone badly wrong phone hacking scandals leading to the much heralded Leveson inquiry report, causing justified suspicion and cynicism towards the media. The way in which journalists can sometimes exaggerate negative news, leading to a distortion of the truth. Yet despite all its failings, the press have an important role to play in keeping the public informed and bringing to light the things that they see as important. And there are lessons to be learnt here when it comes to sharing our faith. We don't want flashy TV evangelists who are more interested in fattening their bank accounts or attaining celebrity status than communicating Christ. We don't want people knocking on street doors aggressively, foisting their views on those who unsuspectingly answer. We don't want churches launching great mission campaigns if their only objective is to boast of success in filling up the seats in their church. What we are in need of are people who are ready to speak simply and honestly of what they've experienced, to live and breathe their faith in such a way that it's not forced on others, still less rammed down their throats, but sensitively communicated through word and deed. Today the church celebrates the life and witness of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Imagine yourself for a moment in the situation of Mary 2,000 years ago. You're engaged to be married and looking forward to your future when suddenly you're told that you're going to bear a child, not of your fiancé, Joseph, but of God, a child who will change not just your own life but that of the world. How would you have felt? And more importantly, how would you have responded? Understandably, Mary was utterly bewildered. But in that moment, she responded by accepting the call. I am the Lord's servant, she said. Let it be to me, just as you say. Had she answered differently, what would God have done? Would he have refused to take no for an answer? continued with his plans regardless, forcing his will upon her. I don't think so, for that's not the God that I know. That's not how he works. God invites a response rather than demands obedience. He works through cooperation, not coercion. Mary could have said no, and God would have had to rethink his plans, turn to someone else. But she didn't. What God asked of her in that moment of courage, she was willing to do. Less will be asked of us than of Mary, but God nonetheless needs our service, our witness, 
to help build his kingdom. He needs our faith, our love, our caring to make him known. And each of us has a unique story to tell. Some people are able to do this with great naturalness and sensitivity. The church often recognizes them as evangelists. But I suspect most people here don't think of themselves in that way and may even feel a bit shy or embarrassed to think of yourself like that. In my own ministry, I've spent a fair amount of time with people of other faiths. And whilst those faiths also may have their evangelists, I'm often struck by how much they act as witnesses simply by being themselves in a way which is truthful, revealing that faith is in their DNA as much as family or culture or their profession. Christianity has been the majority faith for a long time in this country, but if you look at cities like Bradford, Leicester, Blackburn, London or Birmingham, there is no single faith in majority. Yes, of course, the history and traditions of this country is shaped by its Christian heritage, but both in a multi-faith context and in an increasingly secular context, Jesus' promise of help to be his witnesses seems ever more needful. There were one or two things I notice in the passage from the Acts of the Apostles, which may point to aspects of our Christian life, which might help us in considering our witness. The first and really obvious thing to say is that this is about people. Our scriptures and worship bear witness to a story about people and their experience of God. We are not looking for a different kind of language, but we are looking for our language, which does justice to what we know, what we are discovering, and what we're finding hard to describe about this journey of faith. When people who are exploring a sense of calling come to see me as a priest, I always ask them to tell me what is their gospel and to pretend that they were talking to somebody in the pub or uh, walking in the park or when they were uh, walking with their dog. What is your gospel? One of my favorite Bible verses is in Peter's first letter, chapter three. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an account of the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and with reverence. What words could you use to describe your faith with respect to the stability and direction of your life? And related to that is an understanding of the word witness itself. It appears 34 times in the New Testament. The Greek word matereo is the origin of our word martyr, I think this makes explicit something that we sense, namely that there's a cost to trying to tell the truth, and sometimes there are consequences too. Earlier this year, a report was commissioned by the former Foreign Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, describing the persecution of Christians in parts of the world. It is estimated that one in three people of faith suffer from religious persecution, and that Christians are the most persecuted of all religious groups. Perhaps we feel that we're unlikely to face such circumstances and God forbid that we should ever do so. But the cost of being truthful is real for every Christian in a whole host of ways. Some of you will know that we are sadly saying farewell to our cathedral chaplain, Helen O'Sullivan, who's moving her jobs to take up parish ministry in the northeast of England. There are a whole host of ways in which Helen has shown kindness and hospitality to visitors and staff, 
to volunteers, to the choir, to the school community alike. Her motivation hasn't been because she's paid to do it. She has followed God's call. She has wanted to reflect the love and truth of God to those she meets, a love which derives from her faith in Christ. The people of Walkworth, Acklington and Shilbottle parishes are very blessed indeed. Christian witness is rooted in Christian community, the coming together in the safe, familiar place to remember how God has been and is with his people. This is both the place to find strength and companionship in one another and the place to make the journey of the heart. Just as Mary and the other disciples in the upper room were tasked to witness to the love of God, were empowered by the Holy Spirit, so we meet in this cathedral space, this upper room, if you like, devoting ourselves to prayer, receiving all that we need, whoever we are, that we too may find the courage to commit ourselves to making Christ known. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, in Walkworth, Acklington and Shilbottle, and to the ends of the earth. Amen.